The Talking Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Luaf Press. Get 15% off all football titles with the code TALKINGFOOTBALL. You can also use the code UK15 for free UK shipping on orders over £15 and International30 for outside the UK for sales over £30. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 58 of the Talking Fitball podcast with me, Derek Clark. Thank you very much for your company as always. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting to Martin Ramsey. You'll probably be familiar with his show, The Time Capsule, on the Heart and Hand podcast network. He's just released his debut book, The 50 Greatest Rangers Games. I was lucky enough to be asked by Martin to review the book, and I can tell you it's absolutely terrific and a must-read for any Rangers supporter. I was keen to find out the inspiration behind it, the challenges Martin faced when writing it, as well as delving deeper into the games that Rangers fans hold in such high regard. Sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Talking Football Podcast. I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line with the author of the 50 Greatest Rangers Games that's just been released, Martin Ramsey. Martin, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure, Derek. Thanks for having me along. Terrific book, Martin. Thank you very much for allowing me to, to review it. I really thoroughly enjoyed um, reading it. Um, for maybe those that are unfamiliar with yourself and the sort of what gave you the inspiration behind it, can you fill them in and in, in, in how the idea came about? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a, a regular on the, the Heart and Hand Patreon um, service. Uh, I got a weekly podcast called The Time Capsule, which looks back at a particular Rangers game from the past with uh, a fan who who was there who, who viewed it and to, to kind of reassess and relive some of those uh, interesting games. Uh, a couple of years ago, we ran a poll to find the 50 greatest Rangers goals, and we um, created a few podcasts at Christmas time 2018 uh, to run down that top 50. So I knew I was going to do uh, the same again in 2019, but for, for greatest games. And it kind of dawned on me that I'd, I'd done a lot of work for so many of the time capsule shows in terms of notes and um, context and what was going on at the time and everything else. Uh, and I did wonder whether this would make a book. If uh, I was definitely doing the poll anyway in the, the kind of Christmas podcast, uh, but whether uh, a book would be uh, attractive to anyone. Uh, I got in touch with the first publisher I could find uh, who would maybe specialise in this kind of thing and they, they agreed, thankfully. Uh, asked me to write a few uh, sample chapters of games that I knew would, would definitely make the, the, the top 50. Uh, we ran the poll in May of 2019 for the, the whole month uh, and then away we went. Yeah, well, and were you thinking about writing, writing a book for, for some time? Is it, does this sort of just have fallen into your lap or was it some sort of long-term idea that you wanted to reach this conclusion? Uh, the very recesses in my mind, I think. I, uh, who doesn't want to write a book, especially about something that you love? Uh, but it was it was purely remembering that I've got a lot of work already here, um, and I think there's something interesting. Other than just the 50 games, uh, I think there's, however the, the, the listeners vote, that that's interesting in itself to me. Why do they do that? Why do some games resonate so strongly? Why do others just 
not resonate at all where the old firm games sit compared to European games and how do we as a fan base how do we as a club do history um, and that that's kind of what sparked uh, the interest in trying to get this in, uh, in book form Yeah absolutely in terms of the actual votes and getting them all sort of collated on, on the podcast how challenging was that? It was all right. What what I did was I asked people to give me the top ten. Um, uh, number one, we get ten points. Tenth place, we get one point, uh, and everything else in between. And I kept on top of it quite well. Although there were hundreds, but uh, we, you know, the whole month to allow people to uh, get their votes in. So it wasn't overly concentrated um, in a mad rush. So that was all right, uh, and. <laughs> What does greatest mean? I mean, I get people, uh, there's over 170 games, I think, in total were, were voted for. Uh, and you get the odd one that I went, you know, 7-0 against Morton and I went with my uncle and it was, it was very special before he, you know, <laughs> he, he passed away kind of thing. Uh, and, well, that's what greatness means to yeah. that, that individual. And, and that, again, that's part of, the, uh, part of the attraction is that there's a debate about what it actually means in the first place. You mentioned that you, um, you wrote the first uh, three chapters. Once you wrote them, you got the, the, the publisher's backing. You must have been thinking, here we go here. Was it was it a lot of fun to write? It was. What I did think was, or this is going to be a scoosh, um, uh, I started writing 1st of June properly. Uh, obviously, when the, the poll finished, I'll do maybe three or four of these a week and we'll finish it by September and it'll be out for Christmas and jobs are good. And <laughs> clearly, that's not been the case. Um <sighs> I could have churned that out, I think. Um, something between 1,200 and 1,500 words a chapter. Who scored? Who did this? Who did that? But I was never really interested in it being 50 match reports. I could have gone to you know, the Daily Express and asked permission to get 50 match reports, you know, bound them together. Very nice. But I, I knew it wanted to be a wee bit more in-depth, uh, a wee bit more context. Yeah. And it had to be done right. I didn't want it sitting in my bookshelf now or years to come thinking, nah, I could have done that better. Um, so I just take your time and get it done properly. And the publishers were great. Um, never any any uh, pressure from, from them. They understood that it's either going to be done right or not at all. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I enjoyed about the book. I mean, yes, uh, you describe the, the match action and what, what went on, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's that the context around the game... Um, the fan stories, I like how they the, the use um, various interviews with fans as players in there as well. So it's getting the whole sort of background and, um, like you say, how, how it sits in, in the history of the club. Yeah, uh, the, the fans part was really important. That, that's what I enjoy about my my podcast show and what I hear people enjoy about it. Um, we think we have this collective memory of games, which of course isn't true. We, we, we have thousands of individual eyes on, on these particular games with their own stories and their own experiences of, of being there or watching on telly or whatever. Um, and it's something that whether the game's in 2012 or it's in 1972 or it's in 1928, we, we can uh, respond in some way. It does resonate because the thousands that have gone before us have had the same ups and downs. Um, and it's, it's all part of that kind of um, that, that fan experience. Uh, but again, it, I, I think I, I hope I've captured the essence of, of most of the games. There's, there's probably a couple in there that I don't believe were there because of anything to do with the football. So I, I didn't bother really talking about football. Um, 
but it's it's asking that question why why is this there why do fans believe this is great still um, and trying to, to to run a thread through 50 very different games and you're hopping back and forwards obviously in time um, because it's an order of, of selection rather than chronology yeah there's some really really old games in there of course there's a the first official game as well of course was was it more difficult to write about those games as opposed to the ones in, in, in the more recent history yeah uh, the, the calendar game the first ever game uh, I did think it would be there I'd, I'm not sure if I'd, I'd run this poll in 2005 it, it would have been and I think that's because of the Founders Trail guys and uh uh, Gary Ralston's book, uh, The Gallant Pioneers, and the, the, the success of that. I don't know if you've done the Founders Trail, Derek, but it, it's, it's not been long enough to do it, but I've, yeah. I've always wanted to do so. It's just incredible. Isn't it? It's booked out yeah. for months in advance yeah, all the time. A, very popular. But this is what I mean. There's something, there isn't an older Rangers game. There isn't an older Rangers story than that. But these guys get very well. It's interactive, and you're, you're made very acutely aware of uh, this story, this nomadic existence, this struggle for you know twenty, thirty years uh, until the, the kind of roots of the club as we we know them are, are, are kind of fully embedded. Um, and I I struggle with that because I didn't want to just retread the same ground that, yeah. that Gary Ralston had done and and that Ian and Gordon did in the the, the trail, but still having to obviously use their research. Otherwise, I'd have absolutely nothing to talk about. Um, and it stopped me for a month. I, I couldn't. Oh. I couldn't get what I wanted to say, and I was walking uh, September weekend. Uh, Rangers beat Aberdeen five nil, I think, um, last season. And it was just glorious sunny um, September afternoon, and I was walking down towards the main stand. And sometimes you take the main stand for granted, and other times it just takes your breath away. And I just thought this is ridiculous that this can be built, that we, we have this place, this kind of cathedral sport for us. And it all came out of four boys in what is now Kelvin Grove Park, kind of moaning that they didn't have their own team. It's a, a ridiculous story when you, you kind of think it. And it, it put me in mind of, a, I'm sure it was Camus, and a, a quote that I'd, I think I'd read at university, that, that all these great deeds and great thoughts have a ridiculous beginning, you know, um, great what's are born in street corners or in uh, a restaurant's revolving door and of course that's true and I said well that's my that's my chapter um, about why we we do what we do and, and this you know, this almost surreal nature of, of uh, the origins of, of our sport but why it means so much to us nearly 150 years on You mentioned uh, that, that quote there of course the, the book's um, littered with, with great uh, quotes throughout Martin was that something that like you said, you had that one. You noticed that one at university. Did you have them? Did you already were aware of them, or did you go and, go and search looking for something to sort of sum up that that specific game? A couple of times, I, I knew what I wanted to talk about uh, in terms of a, a general theme of the chapter, and, and bounced the game off that. Um, and then a couple of times, I, I did go searching for um, something that, that that fitted that nicely. Other times. Uh, some of the the other non-football voices are heroes of mine, um, and I'm always keen that football is treated as sport. Really, it's treated seriously amongst the humanities. It, it provides us with as much drama and excitement and emotion and ups and downs as any great 
movie or, or book or play or, or, or music or whatever. So um, I, I did want to tie that in now and again. Sometimes the quotes clearly were just lifted from the game itself because I thought that was most relevant. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of the games in there, I mean, it's not just matches that Rangers have won. Of course, there's draws and there's defeats in there as well. Did that surprise you that they sort of it littered with with games like that? Yeah, I, I never thought for a minute that I would be writing about defeats. Just didn't enter my head. Yeah. But of course, I should be. Of course, the first ever European final should be there. Of course, the Zenit game should be there. Um, again, it comes back to what, what greatness is, Derek. And for, for some people, uh, some of these games are great because of what they symbolise. The, the fact they took place at all rather than, than what happened within the 90 minutes or whatever. And to be the first British team in a European final, to be the last Scottish team in a European final in a, a time where the whole texture of European football had, had changed dramatically. Rangers shouldn't be in finals of that nature in 2008. It just wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I suddenly kind of came around to the fact that, no, they, they, they do deserve their, their place there. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just have to find something to, to write about because right, obviously writing about the, the, the context of the game isn't going to be um, overly appealing. Yeah. Was there any other surprises um, on the list in terms of like positioning for games and, and that sort of thing and maybe games that, that, that maybe never made the list? Yeah. Uh, Graham Sunnis is there eight times, yeah. which I think is appropriate. But he's not in the top ten. He's only three times, I think, in the top 20. And I'm not sure that sits well. Certainly... Someone my age, you must be nearly ages with me, Derek. Yeah. Um, the nine in a row thing is interesting. Clearly, a big part of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fourteen nine in a row games in the fifty. Again, I think that's fair. Yeah. But half of those games existed in the last kind of almost twelve months, April ninety six to May ninety seven. And I wonder as time goes on and on whether we've. We just have to distill this era, this big era, into, well, Gascoigne, Ludrup, and Gorham. Yeah. And the guys who finished the job. And I just wonder, and I'm surprised at how little the soonest games resonated higher up, or didn't finish higher up the list. And I wonder if we're just forgetting the base of this era and some of the players, Trevor Stephen, Nigel Spikeman, Gary Stevens, Mark Walters, that were genuine Rangers heroes. Um, and all we've got time for it in our memory is for the guys who finished the job. Um, so a, a wee bit surprised at that. The old firm games, again, 18 old firm games at 50, so you know, roughly a third, no surprise there. But only four in the top 20, only two in the top 10. Um, we go on about the treble so often. There's not a domestic game from a treble winning season in it. And I wonder if we, oh sorry, uh, uh, two. And two league deciders from 1999 and 03. No Scottish Cup wins that, that kind of sealed the treble. Um, so a, a wee bit surprised that, um, not the numbers sometimes, but just where or how that was weighted in the, the, the overall 50. I, am, I think I'm being a wee bit unfair. Rangers have won more than any other club, right? So we've got a lot to, for, for those who are doing the voting, uh, a lot to, to kind of walk through. And, you know, there's, 
as I said, there's treble winning games that are, haven't made the cut. Uh, there are big European semi-finals, European finals that haven't made it. In other teams' list, they would be in the top twenty. They don't even make the top hundred of Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, so it's hard. Um, but the fact that Ali McCoist manages as many entries in the list as manager as Jock Wallace does, and as many as Simon and Struth combined is alarming, as resonant and as emotional as 2012 still is to fans, I think that's a cause for concern about how well we keep our past alive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've touched that, touched on that in a, a wee while. In terms of yourself, Martin, was there certain games you enjoyed writing more about than others? Well, there are certainly chapters that, that, that flowed more easily than, than others, shall we say, uh, especially if I agreed with where they should be in, in, in the list. Um, some games just purely because of the action, the, the 1987 Skull League Cup final, Rangers 3, Aberdeen 3, Rangers 1 in penalties. What a joy to watch that 120 minutes plus again. Um, I remember it as a, as a kid and... Uh, it was a bit Cooper, really, and it, and it gave me a, a chance to kind of wax lyrical about um, his genius and just the game itself. Uh, so that, that that was that was fun. Um, the Fiorentina game again. I, I, I didn't want to overdo things that, that everyone they've heard before. We've been lucky in heart and hand to have a, a good relationship with Kevin Thompson, and. I'd done a show with my, my friend Stephen Campbell, who was in Florence that night. Um, so I just fused those two interviews together. I wanted to know what it was like for a Rangers player to be involved in such a game, such a night like that. The, the minuscule details. How, how hard did you celebrate? Well, you played Mario Kart for, for twenty quid a piece back in the hotel. You know, um, it was that was interesting. Um, the, the Skull Cup. Final of '86, the the, the the win over Celtic. My first memory, really, of of, of Rangers winning a trophy, um, was was hugely hugely enjoyable. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so much gold in there, Derek. That, that it, it, it was a, a joy most of the time, but but, but some were a challenge. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And there's a chapter in there as well that I liked, and it'd be personal for you as well, Martin. Where your dad features in it as well, so that must have been quite poignant and, and, and quite enjoyable for you to write about. It was. Uh, that was the 1973 uh, Scottish Cup final. Um, Rangers beat Celtic 3-2. Uh, erroneously known as the Centenary Cup final. Um, our Centenary, of course, 1872 would be discovered later um, as SF, uh, SFA's Centenary that year. But I'd heard about that all the way through childhood. Uh, that was his first game, first old firm game with my grandfather. And the both of them would talk about that the whole day. And that's exactly why I, I do the show I do and ultimately have, have written the book I've written. I enjoy and I've always enjoyed hearing people talk about the football and the games have been to and the experiences that they've had, especially when it's been before my time. So there was something lit there and I, I felt this was a perfect opportunity, not just to talk about quite a good game actually, but to talk about this notion of being handed something usually by a parent it's usually your dad people are introduced to, to Rangers in football in various different ways they're all legitimate but for most of it it's, it's, it's 
through your father and and that uh, that aspect of of falling in love with the game, being introduced to the game, and sharing that with your dad. Um, the ups and downs of life are, are perfectly encapsulated in, in football, um, and it's it's a brilliant experience that, that that never leaves you. And you know, men. West of Scotland men being the way we are are not always the most open um, especially during those kind of formative years um, and if tensions were ever high um, it could always be broken by talking about Rangers and it never changes Yeah, yeah We mentioned of course the excellent Founders Trail but you touched on of course in terms of the history of the club and and recognising that I, I guess, you, I mean it's quite evident you feel that the, that the club Need to do something. Need to do something more to celebrate the unique history that that it does have. It, I think, it needs to do it differently, and I think we as a we're not blameless either. Um, mm. And certainly, heart and hand, we we do what we can to. We've got so many history shows, but what it what the founders trail does because of its interaction, because it takes you on that journey, it, it can't help but. But, but bring something um, more to life. Um, something that 20 years ago was, was just a dusty statistic. I mean, it, it was very dry. That's what prompted the, the guys to, to get involved in the first place because they, they didn't feel they, they knew enough about this origin story, which is an incredible origin story. Um, so the way they do it is, is brilliant. Uh, it's not the Rangers don't do history well at all. The, the, the stadium tour is brilliant. The main stand in itself is a museum. Uh, the trophy room is incredible. Anyone who's been there, uh, the, the the staff know their stuff. They're, they're very good. Um, sometimes the, the the rooms just speak to you themselves. But what I feel is missing is the football. There are the games and there are the experiences of the fans that have gone before. And there are still fans old enough to remember truth. Yeah. And we need to capture those experiences yesterday I think but 2022 is um, close enough on the horizon now that there's a huge opportunity there um, for us to, to really bring some of this back to life um, we just need to think outside the box in terms of how we engage how we, we bring bring this stuff back into the spotlight because that's what history is that's what it should be um, and it's why I, I'd, I'd quite fancy revisiting this in, in five years because who knows what's what's changed just in terms of trends? Um, who knows that the, the the Iron Curtain team might be back in fashion, and someone might have, have written a book in that, um, uh, or, or done something that that really kind of makes that come alive to to, to younger readers, and um, that that's the next kind of wave, the way that the, the Founders Trail um, has had. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, the book is out now. You've sent the copies out, Martin. How satisfying is it to see the to see it in its completed form after all the, the work that you've put into it? I understand now. Jeff Holmes talked another very good Rangers author yeah. um, talked about being um, addicted to writing, uh, and I also know this will be this is my my first and only shot at doing this. Uh, I, I get. I get that now. Uh, it's, it's a long time. Uh, it's been over a year that I've been, uh, or I, I kind of started working earnest on this. I finished really first of February. I submitted the, the kind of first draft, and it's this 
process of obviously editing and then getting it out and I'll tell you the admin associated with selling and posting is mm-hmm. far more stressful than writing a book um, <laughs> but it's, to, to hold it finally in your hand and yeah um, I, even just seeing maybe a month ago now that I was showing the front cover for the first time um, and yeah I got Jeff's addiction thing um, immediately I said yeah that's that's why you do it and yeah, it's, it's it's very satisfying. Yeah, and of course, you mentioned the, the front cover. It's the, the picture of Lovingcrans celebrating the winner in the, the 2002 Scottish Cup final. What made you to, uh, select that as the, the front cover? Well, I, I toyed, obviously, with uh, a collage, uh, but it's 300 quid a pop for the rights. I think, well, we, you, you, uh, is this going to be worth the money? Uh, I don't know if two or three really kind of does that justice. And I don't think I'd ever seen this picture before. Um, it's from the back of Lovingcrans, um, as he goes to blow the kisses famously to the to the support in that corner. And I was just blown away by it. Uh, and that was it. That's greatness. That's a great moment right there. Um, you have this number nine, the most famous number in football, um, ending a cup final, a great cup final, an end-to-end cup final. Uh, against Celtic and you have these uh, this corner full of, of Rangers fans going berserk and people hugging and dancing and, and giving their salutes back to Lovingcrans people are strangers but for that second are, are best friends and that's it that's what we go through the winter nights for standing and, and, and used to stand in terraces or, or sit in the freezing cold and, and obviously we're going through quite a long winter it's been about nine years long um, <laughs> and that's why you do it for that moment um, and that was just perfect so it had to be that yeah yeah, definitely uh, and I mean it's out now of course uh, the, the pre-sale a lot of uh, people are getting their copies um, at the moment in terms of if anyone wants a copy Martin how do they go about about doing so hey, there's a copies on the Heart and Hand website heartandhand.co.uk and that's Heart and Hand all one word no ampersand uh, and go to shop and it will be in there uh, you can find it on Amazon and Waterstones and it's available in Kindle uh, as well so plenty of, of sources uh, uh, for you to, to find it um, incredibly a number of people have asked about an audiobook and that's something that we'll do later in the year I think Excellent, great stuff Superb, well that'll do us here Martin, thank you very much for coming on, I've really enjoyed um, hearing the story about the book and, and, and the journey that you've been on to, to, to produce it, so thanks very much for coming on. Absolute pleasure Derek, thank you. Well that was episode 58 of the Talking Fitball podcast with Martin Ramsey. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to listen to any previous shows, you can catch them all on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud and Podbean. Be sure to check out the Talking Fitball website where there'll be a review of the 58 Greatest Rangers games. That's at talkingfitball.co.uk. You can also listen back to all the interviews there and there's also a host of great articles on there as well. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Talking underscore Fitball and you can check us out on Facebook as well. Hope you can join me again next time. But until then, keep safe, get the face masks on. Bye for now.